Welcome to that weekend feeling with Darren Mann. It is that weekend feeling with Darren Mann, and a legend has not only been born, but has been confirmed. Kirsten Neuschaffer becomes the first woman to win the historic Golden Globe Around the World race. It was way back on the 4th of September last year. To make it around the world with the aim of completing the journey via the five Great Capes before returning to the west of France starting point, which she did in a time of, uh, was it around 233 days, 20 hours? Kirsten, you can confirm those details for me. Good morning. We're proud of you. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So let's confirm, was it 233 days or so? I seem to recall from memory. What was your time? 235. 235. Yes. Uh, what are two days between friends? Your life will have turned upside down. The amount of media attention that you're getting, um, is it a, a, has it been a shock to the system? Has it settled down yet? Um, it has been a little bit of a shock to the system. I wasn't expecting quite so much of it, but it has certainly settled down and um, life is getting back to normal again, slowly. All right, let's, so let's run through it. 233, 235 days at sea from start line to crossing the finishing line. And it was all done nonstop. It was all done solo. And it had to be done in boats that were crafted before 1988, as I understand. Yes, that's correct. The boats kind of had to fit the era of 1968 when the first solo nonstop around the world uh, race happened. Um, so the boats were allowed to date after 1968, but they all were old school, long keel boats with a rudder attached to the keel. And they weren't allowed being bigger than 36 feet. And it's non-stop. You couldn't stop anywhere at all. Exactly. It's non-stop. I mean, you can stop and bob around in the middle of the ocean, but you can't stop anywhere and go ashore. And um, that's the whole thing. So. Are you comfortable in your own company, I would imagine? Yes, I'm pretty comfortable in my own company. Unfortunately, I knew that already well before the race. So the solitary aspect didn't scare me. Kirsten, you don't just decide to take part in this race. There's a qualification process involved. What is that and how long have you been working at this particular goal? Well, I signed up officially for the race by the end of 2019. And ever since I signed up, I've I've been giving it my all and everything, just working on the project. Uh, So one of the biggest things is to have a boat that conforms to the rules. And because all these boats are older, unless you started with a new build, which would be ridiculously expensive, you're looking at buying an older boat, which is probably going to need a substantial refit to be able to do a race like that. Uh, So the biggest, one of the biggest things was getting the boat ready. And then there are qualification criteria, um, like you have to have a certain amount of uh, miles before you even start. Fortunately, I had plenty of uh, miles, that wasn't a problem. And then you need to do 2,000 miles on your own boat, on your own, and show that you've also uh, done um, the site, the celestial navigation, which for me, again, wasn't a problem because I bought my boat up in Canada and I sailed it all the way down to Cape Town as a kind of a little sea trial. So that covered my 2,000 miles over and over again, and then I sailed from Cape Town back up to France on that boat. Kirsten, the reaction from the public at large, and not just from South Africa, but from all over, has been quite astounding, even just watching from a distance. I was reading a story about a particular chef contacting you and and making up your meals beforehand, and this was someone who you personally hadn't met before. 
Yes, um, and I've had lots of random acts of kindness like that uh, before the start of the race um, to help me, you know, get to the start line. Um, so I've been very, very lucky in that. I also had a boat builder in Cape Town contact me and offered to build me a portable little uh, uh, chart table because I can't sit with my chart table on the boat. So there's been many, many examples, lovely examples like that. Looking back at the race, I'm sure you've been asked this question on many occasions. Uh, uh, highlights and lowlights from the top of your head, what would you pick out? Well, one of the highlights was uh, passing the photo gate at, in Cape Town. And um, as I left again, uh, I didn't have any wind, but there were humpback whales uh, popping up right oh, next wow. to the boat all night. And by morning, there was this beautiful light lighting up the mountain. And there were there were whales, there were dolphins and seals right there as the boat was drifting. So that was a moment I won't forget. That was really beautiful. Uh, low light times when I had no wind. So I, I went through a period in the Southern Ocean, in the Southern uh, Pacific, where I had to stay north of the exclusion zone. Otherwise, I would have gotten penalties, but there was just no wind north of the exclusion zone, and I really wanted to go south. So that was uh, frustrating. But the most frustrating was coming back up the Atlantic and getting stuck in the doldrums for almost two weeks. That was a mentally really tough time. <laughs> Are you aware of where you're placed in the race while you're involved? Do they let you know or do you have no idea? Um, at times, you know, the race organizers do not let you know. So the only way you can find out is if you, uh, if you can find out by other ships. So, for example, we had HF Radio on board, which you can speak over a very long distance. So if you were able to speak uh, to, you know, another sailboat or something uh, who could tell you, then you'd know. So I did know, for example, that I was the first to get past um, the Cape Horn because I spoke to the lighthouse keeper of the Cape Horn um, and he told me, well, you know, you're the first to pass. So that I knew. Um, but then I, once I got stuck in the doldrums, I had no idea where I was anymore. I had a vague idea. Uh, but I, I wasn't certain at all. So I actually only knew that I had won once I was um, drifting seven miles before the finish line and the first boats came out to welcome me in and they said, you know, you're first. But, uh, Come on, what did that feel like? Give us a sense of it. Uh, never mind seven mile, miles from the finish line, but actually crossing the finish line and your people are there. Um, it was an amazing feeling. I mean, it was a very slow finish because I didn't have wind. So I basically drifted over the, seven, uh, the, the last seven miles over the finish line. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a great feeling, firstly, because the fog cleared away. I could finally see the sub little on, um, and I was just feeling happy. And then the first boats came out, which was also fun because I knew they'd come out to welcome me in, and I hadn't seen people for a long time. Uh, and then when they gave me this great news, I was just overjoyed. And then on top of them, that, they told me, well, it's also Freedom Day in South Africa. And I'm like, wow, this is just fantastic. <laughs> it was a great feeling. It really, really was. So, what's next? What? How do you top this? Um, that's a question many people have been asking me, and I, I really haven't decided on anything yet. Um, I've been so focused since the end of 2019 just on this project, and I haven't quite finished it. I still need to do a few things on the boat and decide what uh, happens to the boat next. Probably I need to sell the boat. Um, and once I've tied up all those loose ends, I'm going to go for a nice holiday in the Trans Sky, and then I'll decide what comes after that. Awesome. Your boat, Mini Haha, is that right? That's correct, yes. Where does the name come from? Um, I bought the boat with the name ah. um, up in Newfoundland, Canada, and uh, it's, it's actually um, a Native American name. It's from the Dakota language, Mina meaning water, and Haha meaning laughing, so it's the laughing water. That's what the name means. That's extremely appropriate, I think. Yes, I thought so too, um, and that's why I didn't change the name, but also 
um, the, the fisherman up in Newfoundland warned me not to change the name because they said if you change the name, you change the luck. So I was happy to leave Minahaha with their name. I think it's a good call. Tell us about the physical toll. Is there a physical toll? I'm not just thinking about having to do everything yourself, but your sleeping patterns are obviously disrupted. How do you manage that? Um, most of the time, sleeping isn't too much of a problem because you're offshore. That's the nice thing. It's an offshore race with you know thousands of miles of nothing around you and, and most of the areas like the Southern Ocean, not even other shipping. So it's, it's not a huge problem to fall asleep and go off course a little bit because there's nothing that's going to, there's no land or anything else that's going to harm you. Uh, where it does get a bit more taxing is when you're approaching land, like when we had to, you know, pass the photo gates and stuff like that. Suddenly there's fishing vessels and there's uh, cargo vessels. And of course, land is a danger in itself. There's currents, there's reef, there's all that sort of thing. So then you uh, kind of do little cat naps, anything between 15 and maybe 25 or 30 minutes and then get up, check that everything's fine, that the boat's still on course, go back to sleep again. Um, and, and there it gets a little bit more challenging sleep-wise, but um, I guess one of the main things is to make sure that you do get enough sleep. So when it's nice and calm, even if it's in the middle of the day, go and have a, you know, a siesta or something like that so that if you are required to be up at night, you would have gotten a bit of rest. Now, in amongst, um, all, this global, yeah. in amongst all this global reaction that you've got following your historic win, have there been offers of book deals or movie deals yet? It's history, after all. Um, there has been. I'm actually still sifting uh, through all the emails that have come through. My team members have obviously been helping me as well, but um, there have been you know, certain offers like that, and I, I haven't um, really responded much yet. <laughs> uh, but it is nice to know that there are those opportunities. Who's going to play you in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, we'll have to think about that. <laughs> Listen, um, you've earned this holiday in the Trans Sky. I'm sure you're going to love being back um, in Africa and uh, in, in enjoying the, the special holidays that we're able to offer. You've certainly made your country and your city extremely proud. Um, let me add the Herald's voice to the congratulations that you have received. It is an incredible achievement and uh, everyone is just so, so impressed and all the best for the future and thanks for what you've done so far. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that and I can't wait to get home. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann.